You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at Psalm 89 and several related Scriptures, and we're going to be talking about the fact that God is just, loving, and merciful. But before we take a look at that, just a couple quick things I wanted to share with you. First of all, I wanted to invite you, as I always do, to uh, visit our website this week. Our website is desirejesus.com, and on our website you'll find our blog, our online Bible studies, our bookstore, our devotional resources, links to both of our podcasts, and you'll also find a sign-up list, or a sign-up link, I should say, to be on our newsletter or our email list. And I want to highlight one particular blog post that I posted just a short time ago. And uh, if you're someone who's married or if you're planning on getting married, I wrote something that's a little tongue-in-cheek, but it's very much true. And you'll find a blog post there that I'd encourage you to check out related to marriage called 10 Great Ways to Lose Your Wife's Respect and Damage Your Marriage. So check that out. I hope you find it interesting. I've done a lot of counseling over the past 20 years, and I would say that the statements that I make in that article are universally true, but by all means, let me know your opinion on those things as well. So again, that's desirejesus.com. You'll find our blog and everything else that I mentioned right there. Now, as I also mentioned, today we're looking at Psalm 89 and several related scriptures, and we're talking about the attributes of God that include his justice, his love, and his mercy. So we're talking about the fact that God is just, loving, and merciful. And I want to read from Psalm 89, starting with verse 13, and I'm going to read down to verse 18 as we start up, but this is what it says in that passage. You have a mighty arm, strong is your hand, high your right hand. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are the people who know the festal shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face, who exult in your name all the day, and in your righteousness are exalted. For you are the glory of their strength. By your favor, Our horn is exalted, for our shield belongs to the Lord, our King, to the Holy One of Israel. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the privilege that it is to be able to look at your word together today, and we pray that you'd help us to understand it, we pray that you'd help us to grow from it, and we pray that our lives would bring you glory as we seek to live out the truth that you've proclaimed to us through your word. We thank you for the privilege to be able to look at it together today, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. When we consider the attributes of God, it's very likely that we favor some over others, at least in their application toward us. For example, we're probably grateful that God is loving and that he actively shows us his love in many ways. We're also probably grateful that God is merciful and that he has made a point to extend his mercy toward us for our benefit. But are we just as thankful for God's justice as we are for his love and mercy? Truthfully, as we'll demonstrate in just a few moments, God's justice, 
love, and mercy go hand in hand. They complement and they work perfectly together. Still, most often, we tend to be more thankful for God's justice when it's applied to someone else than we are when it's applied to us. Now, how often during the course of your life have you asked God to correct or discipline you? I would imagine not very many times. But how often have you rejoiced when someone who has hurt or offended you has been on the receiving end of God's just correction? Well, the scriptures we're about to look at demonstrate the fact that God is perfectly just, perfectly loving, and perfectly merciful. And as we look at these scriptures, we'll also be shown why our hearts should be prompted to praise God and to express thankfulness for the ways in which he has expressed these attributes toward us. Because in reality, if not for God's justice and love and mercy, we would have had no hope for the future. So let's start with the fact that God is just. Let me read for us from Isaiah chapter 61, verse 8. It says this, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Now let's pause there for just a second. When I was in high school, I played on our school's tennis team. I don't know if you played any sports growing up, but tennis was actually one of the sports that I rather enjoyed playing, and I should play it more now. I'd probably be in much better shape if I did, but I played a lot of tennis when I was in high school. We had various meets. We usually had one or two meets a week, and trips to our different meets tended to be lengthy, and we would often have plenty of time to talk during the drive. And I remember during one particular trip, in the midst of conversations with our coach, the coach said to me, John, you have a strong desire for justice. It seems to be something you highly value. And I remember when I heard the coach say this, I wasn't sure what I had said or what I did that prompted that comment, but it stuck in my mind and made me wonder what sort of things I might say or do that would give off that impression or would prompt a comment like that. But I'll say this, if you or I place a high value on justice, what are we showing? We're showing that to some degree, God's image is reflected in us because God is the perfection of justice. Now, when God displays his justice, he's giving out punishment or reward to the person who deserves it, based on the actions that they've taken. When God condemns someone who has rejected him to an eternity apart from his blessings, he is displaying his justice. When the Lord dispenses crowns or rewards in heaven to believers who were faithfully obedient to him during their time on earth, he's also displaying his justice. A couple scriptures speak to this. In Romans chapter 12, verse 19, it says this, Beloved, Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 says this, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. So these verses display the justice of of God, the fact that God is just. And to a degree, justice intrinsically makes sense to us. 
most people would tend to agree that there are both good and bad consequences to our actions. And because we crave order, we also desire someone to enforce that order and someone to serve as the judge or arbiter of what is right and wrong. And again, I believe that this desire within us is an internal testimony that should help convince our hearts that we were created by a just God who enforces justice among us. God revealed this attribute of his nature to the very first human he created. In Genesis 2, we read this. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So Adam was told by our perfectly just God that there were certain parameters placed upon what he could do, and if he stepped outside of those parameters, there would be dire consequences. Well, as we well know, Adam disobeyed God's directions, and humanity has been experiencing the consequences ever since. It would be a violation of our just God's very nature not to punish sin. His justice requires it, and it is impossible for him to be inconsistent with his nature. So from the time of Adam, mankind has been dealing with the consequences of Adam's act of rebellion. We came from Adam. We inherited his nature. We were born under the just wrath of God, and we experience both physical and spiritual death. This is perfectly fair. This is perfectly just. And we have no right to complain about this mess because we're culpable for it, just as Adam was since we were in Adam when he sinned. But thankfully, this isn't where the story ends. God's perfect love and mercy complement his justice to provide life and relational restoration with our Creator. So let's segue from this to talk about the fact that, in addition to the fact that God is just, God is also loving. Look at what it tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. It says this, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Love is a word that isn't particularly difficult to define, even though it's used in various ways in our language, but it is quite difficult to practice. So we can talk about love quite a bit, but practicing love is a different story altogether. And when Scripture describes God as being the perfection of love, it's revealing to us through various examples that God, in His love, seeks what is best for us, even at great personal cost to himself. He is patient with us, he actively looks out for our well-being, and he wants us to reflect his sacrificial love toward one another in how we think of each other and in how we treat each other. The Apostle John directly stated that God is love. And he also made it clear that when we practice sacrificial, unconditional love toward others, we display that God lives within us. And furthermore, we are finding true life 
and the power to love through him. Since God is the perfection of love, it shouldn't surprise us that he would also supply the ultimate example of love for us to observe, experience, and learn from. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, we're told this, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ, God the Son, died in our place. The just penalty for sin was death. So he who had no sin of his own chose to take our sin upon himself. In doing so, he satisfied God's justice while also showing us God's love. So now, as recipients of God's love, we're called to sacrificially love one another in active and intangible ways that put hands and feet to our words and affections. This is a dominant characteristic Christ desires to be present among all believers who are part of his church. In John 13.35, Jesus said this, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So in practical terms, how is this lived out? Well, it's lived out by serving and sacrificing for one another's well-being. The love of Christ is displayed every time we speak the truth to each other, every time we meet each other's needs, every time we carve out time for one another. When a brother in Christ is having trouble with his water heater and you repair it for him, that's love. When a sister in Christ is exhausted and tired after giving birth and you stock her refrigerator with food, that's love. When a brother is struggling with sin, and you pray with him, and you listen to his confession without gossiping about it. That's love. When a sister is dying, and you sit by her side, reading scripture until she takes her final breath. That's love. When a child is orphaned or abandoned, and you adopt him into your family, feed him, shelter him, comfort him, and give him your name. That's love. This is what Christ wants his family to be known for, because this reflects both his nature and the sacrificial way he chose to bless us. It's also worth noting that because God is loving, we can have confidence on the day of judgment that we will be welcomed into his presence if we've trusted in him and he's living within us. His word tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, by this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. So God is just, God is loving, and God is also merciful. And that's what I want to finish out our time today by illustrating from the scriptures. In Luke chapter 6, verse 36, God's mercy is spoken of this way. We're told, Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Mercy is an attribute of God that I regularly pray will become more visible in my life as my faith in Him matures. He has regularly shown me that, by nature, I am not as merciful as I should be, but I'm grateful that he is teaching me more about mercy while surrounding me with merciful people who show me what it's supposed to look like. 
God is the perfection of mercy. Showing mercy involves granting pardon or showing compassion to an offending party. So when God shows us mercy, he chooses not to punish us in the manner in which we truly deserve. So how does God's justice, love, and mercy work together? Well, we deserve condemnation and punishment from God because of our sin. Yet God, who is loving, sent Jesus Christ, his Son, to this earth to take that punishment on himself. And in doing so, his justice and wrath were perfectly satisfied. And now he's made all who trust in Jesus Christ objects of his mercy. We were formerly objects of his wrath, but now our condemnation has been lifted through the work Jesus accomplished on our behalf when he lived on this earth without sin, died on the cross in our place, and rose from the grave in victory over sin and death. Simply stated, Jesus satisfied the wrath of God by taking our condemnation upon himself so that we could become objects of God's mercy and welcomed into his family. Few scriptures speak of this. I'll give you a couple of them. One is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, and that verse says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, we're told this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Isn't it amazing to consider that we would ever struggle to show mercy once we've come to experience the great mercy of God? This is why we should never minimize or make light of this attribute, because when we downgrade his mercy, we forget what he's done for us, and we develop a smug, self-righteous attitude that forgets that we were once objects of his wrath. As recipients of his divine mercy, we should joyfully dispense his mercy as we interact with those he has placed in our lives. God's justice, love, and mercy work hand in hand to reveal more to us about his nature, while also guaranteeing we will be part of his kingdom and family for all time. Let these attributes be reflected in your life. Bless others with a taste of what you've been blessed with. Let me close this out by reading Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. It says this, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for your word, and thank you for the privilege that you've given us to be able to study it together today, and to think about the things that you've revealed to us in it, and to meditate on the content of the different passages we've looked at that speak of your justice, and speak of your love, and speak of your mercy. We're grateful, Lord, that you have taken these attributes and you have extended them toward us. You even allow us to reflect these attributes in our day-to-day -day lives as men and women who have been created in your image. We're grateful, Lord, that even though we were once objects of your wrath, through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, you make us objects of your mercy. 
We're grateful that you've accomplished this on our behalf, and we're grateful for the privilege to be called your children and to live as part of your family and your kingdom for all time. Thank you again for these reminders today. We commit ourselves to you now, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, we invite you to stop by our website, which is desirejesus.com. Be sure to stop by our blog while you're there and check out all the different resources we have available on the website. We'd also encourage you to sign up for our weekly newsletter. I typically send that out on Tuesday afternoons, and it has a word of encouragement in there as well as links to anything new on our website. But that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. We look forward to catching up with you again right here next Monday. Take care. The love of God is immeasurable, it's unchanging, it's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on Scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.